0: This is episode number 80 of The VoiceBot Podcast. Today's guest, Brian Romley, author of the forthcoming book, The Last Interface. We talk about the intelligence amplifier. Welcome back, VoiceBot listeners. We have a special episode this week recorded live on site at the Alexa Conference in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Many VoiceBot listeners have asked when Brian Romley will get behind the mic with me for an interview. Well, we have him today in his first interview after revealing his latest project called The Last Interface, in which he introduced a new product concept called the Intelligence Amplifier. It was the most controversial presentation of the Alexa Conference. A lot of people loved it. Some people were confused. Some people did not like it. I heard from across the spectrum. I'm sure none of that will surprise Brian. Some of his stuff seems out there. Some of it seems really practical. We break it all down this week. Brian's own words. We have a great interaction. I know you're going to love it. Before we get to the interview, I do want to recommend that a few of you who are listening for the first time and aren't familiar with it, check out Voice Insider. It's a weekly newsletter we use that complements the VoiceBot podcast. It complements the writing we do at VoiceBot.ai. It is the type of information that insiders in the industry like to know, but isn't going to wind up in a news article. So we're not going to necessarily have articles about it in voicebot.ai. So the question is, how would you find out about it? And yet it's still useful to you. So Voice Insider is that newsletter where we put things in. We do thought pieces called Think Tank, Something You Don't Know, Chart of the Week. There's a lot of interesting things in there. I think you'll like it. In particular, this past week, we focused on what is probably the biggest acquisition to date in the voice industry since, at least since api.ai, almost two and a half years ago now by Google. So that's the type of thing that you might want to learn first before a lot of the other people in the industry. We put it in Voice Insider. Coming up, we have information about a voice industry company that shut down. We have another that got some funding that you probably don't know about. Yet another about a company, a manufacturing partner of Google Assistant that's having a lot of trouble bringing Google Assistant enabled speaker to market and why that is. These are the types of things you're going to find in there. Plus, we have these thought pieces. We talk about duopolies and we just did a rundown of CES and why the duopolies are starting to break down so quickly. So check that out. The way to find out about Voice Insider, the way to learn more and to subscribe, easiest way, go to voicebot.ai forward slash insider, voicebot.ai forward slash insider. Then you can just click through. It's a Patreon page. You can subscribe. And the moment you subscribe, subscribe, you actually get access to all previous issues. So we've had 22 to date through mid-January. So you get access to all those immediately. And then each week in your email inbox, you get the new one. And you can always refer back to them later through Patreon, through email. So I definitely check that out. A lot of news that we're breaking in Voice Insider that's not showing up in voicebot.ai. It'll keep you on the inside, in the know of what's going on. Now to Brian Romilly. Okay, Brett Kinsella here, your host for the VoiceBot podcast, and I'm here on the floor of the Alexa conference. I'm still here, and I rounded up Brian Romley, and Brian and I have had a, a long-standing Twitter relationship. We've talked a few times on the phone, but we've never been able to link up for a podcast in the past, and just we were able to align our schedules while we're both in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yes. Brian Romley, welcome to the Bot podcast.
1: Brett, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. It's been, I'm a fan of your work. I listen to the podcast. Uh, you're probably one of the uh, the only analysts that I think fully grasp what's going on. So it's really an honor.
0: Well, thank you. I, I love the stuff that you put out. Now you have voice first expert and yesterday you made an announcement and that was about a new book called The Last Interface. Indeed. And you talked about a new, I don't think I'd call it a product yet, but a concept, the intelligence amplifier. Yes. So let's start with the idea of the book. So The Last Interface, why don't you tell the VoiceBot listeners what you mean by that and why it's important to put that idea out there now.
1: Well, The Last Interface came about as a concept of the very simple idea, what does the last user interface look like? And then it expanded into a historical odyssey of studying history of what humans have been doing. So I started it like a nerd. I'm like, okay, what is the next interface going to really be? And I started saying to myself, it's going to be Voice because... Jobs to be done is really what we've been doing. The computer wasn't smart enough to actually understand that. So I said to myself, what was the first interface? Storytelling. We started telling stories because we're born naked. We don't have a claws and we don't have spikes and we don't have other things to protect ourselves. So our parents or our moms tell us stories on how to be, how to grow, how to take care of ourselves. So the very first interface to humans was a story. And we would capture that in cave art and the constellations are stories and not really astrological as much as a relay allegorical story. And I presented that in the, uh, in, this, in the talk. And I said, how does that transfer to today? Well, I really believe that there's a bifurcation of the future. There's the dystopian aspect, which is AI is going to be in a robot and it's going to come and kill us and they're going to have dominance over us. Maybe that might happen. But the human odyssey has been to constantly find ways to offload our memory because our memories can only hold so much and to relay our stories into the future. That's storytelling. And it sounds like, oh, that's just novel but a theory, the theory of relativity is a story. It's using scientific nomenclature, but it's telling a story. You know, anything medicine, anything is a story. And we record those stories and uh, they are true today. But a thousand years from now, even our most scientific stories probably aren't going to be true in okay, a thousand so years.
0: This idea of offloading memory, that's that's an interesting concept, yes. right? So we did that initially through the oral tradition. We yes. would tell people stories. And exactly. then not only would we have that knowledge, but if we forgot something, someone we told it to might remind us of what we said. Originally. With
1: a lot of noise to signal because right. we would lose most of the reasons for the story. The allegorical right. part might be, be there, but all the other parts were gone. And it they, they just sound like fairy tales.
0: Right, because you lose some of the detail. Exactly. Right? And then so we got more sophisticated when we went to printing. Exactly. Let's say, well, first we had writing on tablets and those yeah, types yeah. of things. And then we went to the printing press, which we were able to scale this offline memory Bank, yes, right.
1: Network effect of storytelling is uh, printing, the printing press. Uh, I, I would argue that the Sumerian cuneiform is probably the first version of that. It is really uh, the clay impression is a form of a printing press, and they were sure. they were transmitting messages. The Egyptians through hieroglyphs uh, were transmitting messages too. It just wasn't
0: as scalable, right? It was
1: it was not as scalable, but there were less people too. And right. so, as the population was growing, the printing press became more valuable. And the first real story told was the biblical story. And And that was very meaningful to people on a lot of different levels. But it later found out that there are other stories that we can transfer. And that's where creative writing came. Shakespeare, all these other things that have come to where we are today. If we didn't have this offline archival system, we wouldn't even have it.
0: Right. It enabled distribution... Exactly. On, on, at scale in a way that we hadn't had in the past. And then we moved to another phase where we start to digitize that. Exactly. And that gave us even more scalability. And it, what we're seeing there too is there's more scale and input. And there's more scale on output. Exactly. So is there anything else or is, then it just goes to voice, right? Well,
1: if you transition through it, it's always been mechanical, right? The humans first create the mechanical aspect of something. And then we sort of digitalize and become software. And ultimately, it becomes AI, in quotes. So the very first mechanical interface was switches on a computer, you know, front right. end of a computer. Then it was punch cards. Like the Altair. And- yeah. And you kind of work your way up to... Pounding on keyboards with 10 fingers and pounding on glass with two thumbs. Right. So we've kind of regression. Went, went regression, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we know that that's not sustainable because that's very low throughput. What I demonstrated last night is that our sense organs uh, processed, let's call it. 200 million bits per second. Uh, I, I went very low in the number I chose last night, but I wasn't using all the other sense organs, just the eyes and ears. But we can only, in our brain and our consciousness, handle 40 bits per second. Now, that's not a guess. That's research. Over 500 studies of human throughput is in that study, and it's uh, by Tor Norse standards in the New User Illusion. The User Illusion is probably the most profound book of the last 100 years, because it shows how humans are taking in the world. We forget 99% of everything we see. And I used the demonstration of people walking into the hall, do you remember coming in here? Of course. Can you see yourself coming in? Yes. Most people actually see themselves visibly coming into the hall. And if that's the case, who was holding the camera? You constructed that Okay. So,
0: so let's walk through that because that was a point in your presentation, I think that confused a lot of people. People I, I'm ask sure. me about that afterwards. I'm sure. What does that mean from a human consciousness standpoint to not only remember walking in because they can see and they have a memory of that, that's recorded and than being able to see themselves walking in the room, which is not the same. It's a different, it's a viewpoint that they didn't actually have. Exactly. But they are superimposing it based on things that they already know.
1: It's artificially created. And what I'm saying is, if in fact it's true, which it is, that 99% of everything we take in is thrown away, that's called exformation, then the information, the brain only deals with the minimum amount of information to get by with what the constructive reality is. And I want to go too esoteric down the rabbit hole, but the the idea is we miss most of our life. And so an intelligence well, amplifier... we don't miss
0: it. We don't remember it. We don't Isn't remember it. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So... You know, uh, Rain Man is a really good movie to uh, show you what human memory can have. I got to meet um, uh, the individual. I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway, speaking of memory... Uh, the he, character
0: that Dustin he Hoffman was He was played. a real yeah. person.
1: And I got to meet him. His dad and him were just beautiful people. And he had, uh, you know, a memory that literally could take in something instantaneously. So it's a proof case that humans are, in fact, taking in this information, but they're not... They can't access it, they right? They can't access it because the neurons aren't there. There's
0: people like... I've seen Mary Lou Henner do this. She's People know who she Brilliant. is. And she can tell you in 1984 what she had for lunch yes. on Tuesday, November 12th. It's amazing.
1: It's absolutely amazing. When people say that's photographic memory, it really isn't. It's, it is iconic memory, and we're using mnemonic structures in the right hemisphere of our brain to store that information. Using our thumbs and our fingers, we're using the left part of our brain, with this a sequential brain, because we have to pair up in a very short buffer the things that are coming out of our right brain or neocortex and and our copus colossum. Uh, the gentleman was Kim Peek. He passed away, right. okay. and, and Kim was just absolutely brilliant and just a beautiful individual, but the encephalitis that he suffered that caused the damage to his brain because it was damage it didn't make him an idiot savant or autistic savant people use all these terminology he literally had damage to the coppice colossum in such a way that his um let's i use simple terms long-term memory was available to him at any moment in time but at the same time his communication skills were very limited right and his um human interaction skills were even more impaired Okay,
0: so so let's let's go back up to the presentation yesterday and, and what we started talking about this idea of of stored memory and there's two aspects to this. Yeah. there's the inputs to create the storage, and then there's the ability to retrieve it. Exactly. Okay, so. If we talk about speech, it's a much higher input than typing because most people speak around 150 words per minute for s- typing, maybe exactly. 60, thumb typing, maybe 30. If that. Yeah, exactly. If that autocorrect screws yeah, most people up. It, it, slows it, it slows you down. down. It yeah, does. It's it terrible. Does. Uh, so that's a higher throughput input mechanism into your memory storage.
1: If it understands your intent and your natural language you know, decoding. But the intent extraction is the important part. Is that
0: Why is the intent extraction important? Because it could just be stored as an audio file...
1: Okay, so basically, that's useful, but it's not as useful for the ultimate grand mission of this. The, the grand mission of what the last interface is about, and the intelligence amplifier, is it's taking in everything that's going on around you in real time, and uh, you know, you can't see this, but imagine uh, a, a video camera and an audio recording device that is not going to the cloud, but it's going only to you. Right. It's encrypted, let's call it blockchain, and it's highly encrypted, and the only fantasy part about this is that we now have a social contract with how we use it. That if I'm sitting next to you and you want a private conversation and I'm a certain proximity, you can press a button and turn my camera and microphone off. So a private conversation can retain privacy. But otherwise, it's recording. And there's been very few reasons why you want to do that because people aren't going to use this to play videos back. They're using it to be a memory enhancement system and an intelligence amplifier. So it remembers that you and I talked. It remembers you through facial recognition. It extracts the intent of our conversation and then it creates neurons to remember the details of what we talked about. And in the future, all of these neurons will interconnect outside of you and inform you. And as a whisper in your ear, not as an Alexa Farfield device, but as an in ear device, letting you know, oh, you met with Brett on this day in January and this is what you talked about.
0: Right. It's, it's very similar to in politics or sometimes in business, you see very uh, accomplished people, maybe elected officials or CEOs, yeah. will have someone following them around, All their the chief time. of staff, and they'll be, this is this person, this is when you last met them, that type of thing. And you're saying that that's an assistant, that's a human assistant yes. that's helping augment your intelligence and your capability. A- you're saying clear. we can have this as a technology product personalized to each of us. Today. Okay, so that's great. So we can have this today. And so is that a product that you're building?
1: It's a product I'd like to build, but I am in my garage with a piggy bank and I've done this hacking junk together. I do use the cloud because I don't have that many Raspberry Pis to simulate facial recognition. Of course. But at some point, we would be able to put that in a very small system. Everything that is done in a cloud today will ultimately be on a chip. I mean, everything. So AI doesn't need to be in a cloud. It right. only is in a cloud because IBM at one time needed to be filling up a hall almost this size right. for the very first computer. So things are going to get smaller. So this whole idea that everything's going to be up there is a fallacy. It's a short-term thing. Nor do you want it to be that way. If this is with you all the time from the day you're born to the day you die, your intelligence amplifies. It is the most personal human invention ever crafted. And you only want those that you want to have shared with that knowledge to have access to it. So while it's with you, it uses biomarkers. And once it's away from your body, nobody can talk to it. Nobody can interact with it. Isn't that kind
0: of like this iPhone that I'm I'm holding right now? It's an intelligence amplifier. Absolutely. I can go out and I can get information about me. I've got pictures, things that I've done. I can go do search so I can access things that I don't know. Exactly. um, And I can retrieve them. And it's got biometric authentication. So, you can't use it, mostly. 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 I mean, there's certain
1: people... Unless somebody leave. holds it up to your face while you're sleeping. And <laughs> yeah. yeah my s- kids do that all the time. Oh, do they really? Yes. Oh, that's... Shh. Don't yeah, tell don't people. tell him
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. So, uh, so, we have that right now. And so... The idea here is you're saying we could have another type of device that's basically much higher resolution. Yes. uh, And And more personal. Because this is essentially a mass market device.
1: And proactive rather than just active.
0: Okay, let's talk about that. Proactive. Reactive. Yeah,
1: all of this stuff is happening already. Right. So it's not new technology. The difference is and we're not needing some super AI, general AI that everybody fantasizes about. I'm not talking about Turing tests. I'm not trying to fool you into thinking that this is a human. What I am saying is that the more context I know about you, the easier it is to guess what you really want. But as you give up context, you give up privacy, and there's ethical problems with that. You don't want all that context in the cloud. And, and we, why
0: don't you want it in the cloud?
1: Well, we can just look at what happened over the last two years when just emails and private photos and text messages were released. What it's a happened? security risk. It destroys people's lives and it destroys maybe a multitude of uh, of lives and philosophies so I one of the high points of what I said in the in the talk last night is that when we walk into this world we have to have laws and rules that are equivalent to the uh, murder one penalty if somebody were to hack into your intelligence amplifier or wisdom keeper and a lot of people think that's draconian but I ask you to th- go on a thought experiment. If somebody were to crawl inside your brain and go through all of the things that you've experienced, what is the proper punishment for that person? What thing do you need to have them face if they just parouse that? Because right now it's Wild West. Anybody can hack and there's no rules and it's not big enough because it's one little hack. Somebody got into the email system of somebody and you can't really put somebody to death in Western countries. But if you're going into somebody's thing that's on them, that's not connected to the internet, everything I'm talking about... The intelligence amplifier and wisdom keeper is never connected to the internet. It uses right. agents. Right, you're talking about
0: it as a, as a separate device. So it as uses if,
1: agents to interact. As
0: if this iPhone were just personal to me and was only capturing my life experiences and then serving as a conduit for me to recall those life experiences. And if
1: you needed something from the internet, it forms a temporary agent with its own blockchain Got that it. goes out. It retrieves only that bit of information, like when's my flight and is there food on the flight or something like that. Yeah, and it
0: sort of insulates the core part of it, but and then it gets the agent, under the The door. agent goes out, not the yeah, not the and the, they're completely the anonymous. Device.
1: And this this completely breaks the rules of what the current internet is about because the current internet is about knowing as much as they can about you and selling you as okay. The will, go-
0: will governments allow this?
1: They don't have a choice. Uh, it's, it's they like, certainly do. Well, Governments
0: it, certainly have a choice because they have you're, a choice. you're saying, first of all, in order for this to work, you have to have laws that are very okay. strict about this. The second thing is governments can essentially do anything. And, and Western democracies, the will of the people, if they legislate, they can do it. In other in autocratic systems, they sure. can just do it by fiat. So they could limit this. And what we're seeing is governments, as they've gotten a little bit of of a taste of the privacy data they, they can get. They want more and more and more. And this would be a complete reversal. It wouldn't even just be a degrading of what they can get today. It's a complete reversal. It would cut off what they can get today.
1: Here's my uh, thesis on it. We will hit a privacy rebellion at some point. I can't predict the exact date, but as more and more people's personal lives get destroyed, whether you're the richest man in the world, which has recently happened to anybody, there will be a point in time where people say enough's enough. And not even, not even government should have access. Is there to any
0: it. precedent for this?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's. If you look throughout history, the reason why we created ciphers, the reason why we created secret uh, languages, all of the ancient wisdom has been capsulized into symbolism. We can go uh, Freemason, we can go.
0: So what you're saying then? I, I think I, I get where you're heading with this. You're saying this happens all the time. Yeah, that there's it's right in front of us. Civilizations over time have become too intrusive, too controlling, and so humans have through ingenuity, figured out ways to have private lives.
1: Yeah, we, we, we call it in a modern uh, context, maybe mystery schools, ancient wisdom. You can go to the corner of this building. It was uh, laid by Freemasons. They have a lot of knowledge that they transmit forward that only certain people get to hear. I know other cultures and other uh, societies, whether they're secret or not, a transfer knowledge and wisdom, a great deal of it. Tremendous amount of knowledge in the open public, but most people don't have the decoder ring to understand what it's saying.
0: Okay. So we've talked about the last interface. I want to come back to that in a moment, but we've talked about the intelligence amplifier yes. and the wisdom keeper. Yes. So explain for the listeners what your concept is and the difference between the intelligence amplifier and the wisdom keeper.
1: Really good point, Brett. Mostly the wisdom keeper is your legacy when you leave this world. And I use the example of a young man in a car getting into an accident, and I connected that with a little girl asking for her dad over the radio. That's part of contact. And I tried to illustrate what it feels like to try to make that connection, to try to reconnect with the essence of what that person is. Have no illusions. I'm not saying that this is going to be an artificial human or some cyborg or whatever. I'm saying that we are at least the sum total of every experience we had, the hard times, the good times, all the different things. It forms what I call our paradigm, which is our programming language, which edits out the exclamation and information that we see in our world, we design the world through our paradigms. And we only see what we want to see. Unfortunately, our our intelligence amplifier will see everything, and it might even make us smarter in decoding the world around us that we didn't notice. Okay,
0: so let's so let's talk about that. So, how does the intelligence amplifier make us smarter? Is it just limited to having more knowledge about our own personal experiences, or is that where our agent our agents are housed as well, that go That's out and question. grab information when we need them?
1: That's a great question. It's a it's a synergy of the two things actually. Okay. So. It knows every book you've read. So if you live to be 75 years old and you read a book a week, we could say you get read about 4,000 books. That'll fill this space that we're sitting in maybe about So five how does it high. know
0: which book I've read? Because it knows
1: the book and it already gets the text. Perfect. And it knows what you've read. Therefore, it knows what informed you. It doesn't know exactly what touched you, but it could because there's biometrics on this. So it's going to get heart rate variability. It's going to get pulse. It's going to get a lot of other things I don't want to talk about, what I call human telemetry. So it's going to know your physical state. So as you're reading it, it's going to say, oh, that was a very, very emotional part in that book. Okay, I'll so make the, note of it.
0: So the intelligence amplifier then has two parts. It's about understanding your own knowledge and experience better because you have access to all the details at any Indeed. time. And then it also has the agents that go out in the world for you to gather information. In and the it's all, also cases.
1: human telemetry, biometrics, yep. health, human health, mental health, emotional health, all these things that, you know, imagine going through... The, the, the fastest growing um, medical problem in this world right now is suicide. And imagine if that person was born with a an intelligence amplifier just on a thought experiment. And the moment that they contemplate that they're no longer valuable and that there are no things left other than to end this world, that your intelligence amplifier senses this and it starts conversing with you about who you are.
0: So so then the intelligence amplifier would have some sort of mission to keep you alive?
1: Yes, of course. The mission is to build your paradigm, and it knows your paradigm as a construct that it learns through you. So there's a base program And now this sounds sci-fi, but it really isn't. It's very simple programming. We can do it right now. I'm doing it in my garage. And so what it starts doing is it starts looking at the basics. We start with Jungian archetypes. Where is this person in their Jungian archetype? We change our view. We're all on a hero's journey. This is Joseph Campbell. Well, yeah, I
0: understand. But who, like... So now what we're doing is we're we're taking this away from just a data collection, oh, yeah. and data mining device, and we're actually assigning prioritizations yes. that, that might not be the priorities that you or I would set.
1: Well, no. The thing is... Because someone
0: has to make this device and they're going to have standard setting.
1: Well, you know, the standard settings are to learn who you are yeah. and to amplify that, but also to know what are bad things and what are good things. Bad things do bad things to your body and to your health. And it knows that. And it's not going to be a nag. It's going to say, you know, Maybe you don't wanna do that. It might be a whisper in your ear maybe your personality type doesn't want that maybe your personality wants something else but your Jungian archetype and your Myers-Briggs, let's call it your Myers-Briggs personality, it's more accurate for this scenario will basically say this person is more verbal, so I need to start explaining this, and I'm not saying there's intelligence that does that, and it's an algorithm, and it starts like a blank slate like we do, and it experiences the same life that we do it's simpatico with us, right, it's synergistic with us, And, and again, it's not a cyborg relationship it's a mutually supportive human relationship. Yeah, so it,
0: it, well, it's uh, so what you're saying is that it has not just data and features, but it has its own level of intelligence.
1: Yeah, because and it, it has, is. It has it its is.
0: own sense of agency. Absolutely. So and that agency is not just what we grant to it, but it's and maybe we can figure it up front. But over time, it, it, it actually has a mission beyond just capturing and retrieving. It knows
1: you better than you know yourself, Right. because you don't have the memory to remember everything. You don't remember all 4,000 books if you read a book a week, but it does. And right. it knows what made you... Happy and made. What made you sad? What movie you cried at? What what event you it cried? Doesn't know at. why though. Well, it, well, it, not necessarily why. It knows the collection. If you read a certain passage and you were crying during that passage, then it knows that it emotionally sparks something in you. Now you don't want that in the cloud. People are going to get scared over that and saying, "No, I don't want everybody to know that. I want my emotions to be private." That's exactly what I'm saying. But I'm not saying that this is me doing this, this is going to happen. Whether right. I, just, I do it or not, this is the manifest destiny of where this technology I under, is going. I understand
0: what you're saying. And this idea of, the, it's a logical evolution of an assistant. We, we think yeah. about like a very simple manifestation of agency, like exactly. Google Duplex, which is we ask it to do something, it goes and interacts on our behalf in the world. And then we start to think, okay, the next step there is to have agency without us asking for it. Exactly. So it's more like publish, subscribe versus request, response. Yes. Right? So for the developers listening, They'll appreciate that. No, that's a
1: perfect way to say it. And then
0: you're saying it even goes beyond that because the context will be limited in the manifestation that we're thinking of right now because it's only going to have the experience that we've had over a short period of time or what we configured it for, what our preferences are, like we do in our set up our airline. Do you like? Yeah. It'll already know that because it'll know where we sat and all these other things. It'll have a lifetime of information.
1: And it happens pretty quickly. I've been experimenting with this for, you know, too long. Let's say, at least 15 years. And the technology I'm using right now, let's call it the last 10 years that it's gotten to really know things. It knows what I eat every day. So it pretty much can predict what I want to eat. Right. Very much like a loved one. Like if you have a wife, a spouse, a husband, whatever. It's like, honey, you had uh, Thai food uh, seven days in a row. It's time to change. <laughs> and you can kind of have this interaction. Now, this is not like her. This is not you falling in love with anybody, but maybe yourself, if you will. Because it's that alter entity. ego. Yeah. It's it, it, You might start thinking of it you will anthropomorphize it i can tell you i do that but you think of it as your alter ego you think of it as yourself it's part of your inner narrative uh it actually the one i'm using right now has got a voice very close to mine so when it talks to me it's talking to me well it's like voice. the extended mind concept that exactly That's
0: it's really yeah, common yeah. In, in a number of philosophical circles now so the intelligence amplifier makes sense wisdom keeper is really your manifestation when you're not there
1: Yes, so when you pass away... And but it,
0: is, is that when the only time it exists? Is
1: after well, you die? Well, you, you can... This is where it gets kind well, could of... It, could it be you in multiple places at yes. the same time? You really are very... You're the first person that's picked up on this. Yeah, that is the... Possibility with permission for you to share your wisdom while you're alive. And so it's elements. So let's say you're an author. This is going to fundamentally change publishing. You're an author. And how did you write that book? Well, I'm going to share with you all this threads of neurons that I created that helped me make this book. So live with my experiences and you can kind of see what I've written.
0: And, and so this is where Voice and NLU commence because if I have my wisdom keeper and it's available on a website, let's say, or it's... It can be anything. It can be a and it's, in a, it's in a device that's sitting in a Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And instead of me doing a read, it reads the chapter for me. And the people ask questions about it. And it says, oh, when you were writing about this character in chapter two, there was this scene where they were frightened by the rainstorm. Yeah. Did that? Where did that come from?
1: Oh, when I was five years old, my grandmother hid me under the bed because I was crying with the rainstorm. Yeah, this is profound because imagine if... Everybody's got a hero that's listening. Imagine if you can go back and talk to that hero, somebody that really touched you. And maybe they're your parent, maybe they're your grandparent, maybe it's somebody in history. But just kind of use that thought experiment of what, how powerful this is. You can have a dialogue with the sum total of knowledge of that person with edits. You're not going to hear about when they you know, went number one or number two, You know, all this other kind of stuff, because you, there's certain things will be edited. And it's not going to be around for a government to parouse because it's going to be only voluntarily given. It's, it's almost like... It, if you uh, torture somebody, you can get it out, right? Yeah, you could compel them. Well, you could, but you would have to have their biometrics in such a way that they are, because the biometrics would be aligned for that person to be under yeah, a no, certain mindset. I,
0: I get it. So, and I think about the Wisdom Keeper, too. I mean, this is not really a new concept. So, people wrote autobiographies. I'm
1: standing on shoulders. Right. This is, so, well, this so, is so we had
0: autobiographies, right? Yeah. Is it like, this is a little bit of me that generations past can, can learn about. We've had people do videos, like, yeah. if, a lot of, like, heart-wrenching Dadbot.
1: stories. Dadbot is a really good example. Example. It's a great uh, gentleman's dad passed away. I'm sorry, I forget his name, but I did have conversation, and, uh, and and it materializes his personal pain of wanting to be able to hear his dad's voice and to try to reassemble right. it. And and, and that his is thoughts
0: and to ask him questions. And, yeah, and Chris yeah. Messina did something like this. I don't know if you know Chris, yeah, but Chris, yeah. he he did Messina Bot. Yeah. Uh, it was a Facebook Messenger bot. that came out. Yeah, and it was this. All he did was mine all of his social media data I stand and on ask it, his questions. Incredible so.
1: shoulders, Chris is brilliant, and 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 so this is really it taking up its own life and I'm, I'm just I'm a transmitter of this information so what, what really Wisdom Keeper is about is what ancients have been doing forever we aligned pyramids to the Orion's Belt to try to transmit a story I don't know what that story is but I do know that somebody built these things and they aligned it to celestial alignments it's yeah. not a random number of so this of isn't
0: though let, let's think about it this is the VoiceBot podcast a lot of people who listen to this are really focused on the voice angle oh absolutely this is really more of an AI angle
1: but it's There's, voice there's first. There's, there's, voice first. Okay, interface. voice
0: first, not voice only, right? Yeah. So the idea is that we have voice because it's one of the senses that we would pick up to record our lives. It'll be a whisper in your
1: ear 24-7 when you want it. You can tell it to shut up, but, you know, if you if it's looking out for your best interest and saying, And that's better than Neuralink. Of course. Do you want something planted into your brain?
0: I don't, but a no. lot of people are really they excited about d- it. They,
1: they think they do until they realize the only thing that they're listening to is the phonological loop, which is a silent voice in your brain. You cannot decode the... The right hem- hemisphere. There's no way to decode it because it is a mash of images. And whatever you got out would be all these things coming around. Think about how you create ideas. It's you, you collect them and you present them to the phonological loop, Broca's area and Wernicke's area, and we sequence them, unfortunately, one letter at a time as we type that idea That's out. right.
0: However, like so we think about this, like the logical extension, right? And I, I can see great arguments to say that voice is the last interface. Just for what you talk talking, there's whispering in your ear, basically, Basically, it's replacing the the voice in your head, you're you're, you're allowing you to have this sort of external voice in your head. Now we
1: really hear voices in our head.
0: Exactly. And we already have that today through through like AirPods. We heard Dave Kemp talk about some of the things that are going on in in the hearable space. The idea though around Neuralink is that even voice is a small throughput mechanism compared to some sort of higher throughput that you could theoretically put through directly into the nervous system. Exactly.
1: And, And you know, the problem is when you actually get down to it and talk to the scientists, studied this for decades is you're actually talking to Broca's and Wernicke's area because those are the only areas that can decode language and we have to communicate some form of language for the brain to understand we don't know how to c- c- communicate to the brain symbolically now we can stimulate the brain to feel pain we can remotely stimulate somebody to feel anger and aggression by using microwaves this is all known I can even plant a voice in somebody's head remotely with microwave um but ultimately, the only place that we're going to tap into with a neural link is the phonological loop. So we might say, well, we could What's talk. What's the phonological faster. loop? Phonological loop is two areas of the brain called Warnicky and Broca. Right. And if you have aphasia or damage to these areas, for example, in Broca's area, you may be able to read, but you couldn't understand what the words say. Right. So you can't decode what those words. And uh, the reverse is, uh, you may be able to understand words, but you can't speak. Right. And and you can't write if the if the speaking area of Broca is damage, you can't communicate to the outside world. You can't write, you can't speak, you can't do anything. So that's why it's voice first, because Broca is a voice. It's a silent voice in your head. When you read something, you're literally hearing a voice in your head, even a speed reader.
0: Right. Okay. So what needs to happen for the intelligence amplifier, Wisdom Hmm. Keeper, to exist as a product? That people could buy and start using today. Well, What's the gap?
1: The gap right now is the will to do it. All the technology exists. Nothing I'm talking about is futuristic. You don't need general AI. People are going to argue and say, yes, you do. The more context I know about you, you have 172,000 thoughts per day. 87% of them are the exact same thoughts as yesterday. Most of them is negative self-talk. When we eliminate those 170, uh, let's call it 120,000 thoughts, there's only so many that are left under your context and we can guess. And then we have what's seems Seems to be almost godlike ability to understand you. Now, do you need general AI at that point? No, it understands you. So I don't need to pass a Turing test. I right. now have the ability to communicate. Okay, so. So we have to will to have to build it, and then we have to create the monetization of this. It's not the... Monetization? So, yeah, it's going to be monetized. I'm a capitalist. This is not some kind of... Well, you just utopian. sell it. It's a product. It's a product, but there's also features that you can build into it that would give you advanced access to your data in a way that's private still, not in a cloud, but will allow you to access your data even better and better ways, because technology and Coding is going to get better as you get older, and you're going to say, "Oh my God, I can now think in this manner now because there's a new way of accessing my existing data set." So as we get this human telemetry, all of our biomedicals—we didn't really cover detail of how biomedically this will impact our lives, but we will know everything about the cause and effect of everything that you do. Uh, when you did this, uh, the cause was here, and the effect was here. You eat this food, right. the cause is here, and you gain this many pounds. Uh, you you can walk less. Your knees now hurt, and you know you have right. pain that you didn't recognize we can biosense it. We can biosense a lot of things, depression, confusion, uh, big be- onset of Alzheimer's. I've identified um, 72,000 different ailments just with the biosensors that we have that it can help identify it. It's not going to be a doctor. I'm not saying these are class one medical devices that will be communicating with your doctor with your permission. Uh, HIPAA compliant uh, and, and, and allow you to know your biometrics better by magnitudes than an Apple Watch.
0: Fair enough. Okay. So we do have limited time today because we're in the middle- of the conference and yes. I know you have to get to the airport. Yes, I do. Okay, so thank you so much for spending some time. How can the VoiceBot listeners learn more about this concept that you are putting down on paper, you're starting to talk to people and are, are and are in the early stages of development?
1: Well, I, I hope to actually build it, but I'm writing a book to try to help people get around the idea. It, it, it requires some changes in the way people think. Obviously, we have to talk about ethics and laws. I'm not uh, an expert on that, but I do know ultimately humans will find a way to deal with that. I, I set the standard very high. So that's what the book is going to be about, mostly about the technology. I'm going to talk about the meat and potatoes and how we actually do this. Uh, the book's
0: not out yet, right? No. no. Yeah, so you're developing it. I wrote the it. book
1: in my already now that's right and
0: you've got a lot of chapters type a it. lot of chapters are basically done yeah. so go to is it the, the last interface dot com. interface.com okay yeah. so is that the best way for people to track now, what you're doing
1: well you can follow me on twitter and I'll, i hope to say some more about this but i'm not going to be overselling stuff that i haven't written yet i just time was uh, precious and i wanted to put it out right now so it's
0: it's it yeah. was great it was definitely uh definitely a room in rapt attention yesterday as you're rolling that out. So uh, very interesting stuff. I love this conversation. So check out at Brian Romilly on Twitter and then thelastinterface.com. I'm Brett Kinsella. You can find me on the Twitter at Brett Kinsella or you can look at the stuff that we do on voicebot.ai or Voice Insider. Uh, We appreciate everybody in the community and we really appreciate uh, your time today,
1: Brian. Thank you so much, Brett. It's such an honor being here.
0: Oh, it's honored to have you. Thank you.